Lord, you are God. And I am not. You're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there is none like you. God, this morning as we open up the word of God, Lord, you must speak in this place. You must show us in our hearts all that you are speaking. For God, I do not have the words to say. Lord, but I know that this morning as we stand on the authority of the king, as we open up the word that the breath of the living God will go forth in this place. So God, we do pray that that the preaching and teaching is not in persuasive words of wisdom, but Lord, that it will truly be you and you alone, so that people's faith would rest on you, O God, and not on anything of man. Lord, we love you and we praise you, for it's in your name, amen. This morning, if you would open up to Colossians chapter 3 for me, if you have your scriptures, I want to take a look at Colossians 3 and I want to answer a very important question. The question that I want to answer today is this. Whom are you living or who are you living for? I understand that at the initial thought everyone will answer with a Sunday school answer. But today we're going to answer the question then we're going to look at the practical side of this to see the fruit in our life. Let me remind you that the book of James says that faith without works is dead. As a young boy, I was always told that talk is cheap. People may say they're devoted to something, but when you find out the truth, you realize that they spend very little time in it or on it. And so my prayer today is that we answer this question, who are you living for? Who are you living for? As the body of Christ, as we just walked three messages through Acts 2.42, we talked about what does it mean to be the body, what does it mean to truly be the fellowship of Christ. But let me tell you, it doesn't just happen on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. It happens in your life throughout the week. And so who are you living for every day of the week? Now that you have your Bibles open to Colossians chapter 3, I want to do something a little different today. I want to read together, and the scriptures are going to be on the screen because I know there's probably 15 different translations of the Bible in front of you. And I'm going to be reading from the NASB, and I want to stand together, and I want to read Colossians chapter 3 together as the body of Christ. So let's stand together. The scripture will be on the screen for those. Let's read it together. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. 
And in them you also once walked when you were living in them. But now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self and its evil's practices and put on the new self who is in being renewed to a new true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man. But Christ is all and in all. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiveness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Wives, be subject to your husband as it is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not embitter against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men but with a sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, rather than for man, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Amen. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. You may be seated. You say, David, that was a lot of reading. I don't know about y'all, but standing up here hearing the body of Christ read that scripture together. Man, I was getting some Holy Ghost chill bumps up here. I'm telling you, like, I'm, I'm ready to go. I didn't know if I was going to read it all together, but I'm so, so thankful I did. You say, David, why did we read the whole chapter? Well, the first couple of verses talk about really who we are and that we need to keep our minds on Him. But then it goes into the practical about the new life. And then it goes into our relationships with other people at the end. And we're going to talk about that today. Who are you living for is the question. In Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, we see this. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. What does it mean if you have been? 
What does this mean? If you go down to verse 3, it says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What he's saying here in this verse is that if you have died to self, if you have laid down your life for the kingdom of God, if you've crucified the flesh, it says in Romans 8.13, it says that if you are living according to the flesh, it must die. Colossians 3.5 says, consider the members of your earthly body as dead. Romans 6.6 says the old self is crucified with him and that it may... um, be done away with. In Galatians 5.24, consider your earthly body as dead. Now let me ask you this question. If you're a bondservant of Christ and you say, what does that mean? If you're a Christian, if you're a believer in Christ, if you've accepted him as your Lord and Savior, then you can only live for one. Why? Because yourself has been crucified. The me is gone away. But too often I see people who say that they're a believer in Christ, but yet they continue to worship themselves. As a bondservant of Christ, you can only worship one thing, and that is Christ, because yourself has gone away with. I love what it says, uh, John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 30, he says, I must decrease and he must increase. I, me, must decrease and he must increase. If you call yourself a bondservant of Christ, if you say, hey, I'm part of the body of Christ as we talked about. Remember, the first church were all believers in Christ. They had all things in common, and that was that Jesus was their Lord. They had fellowship with the Father, as we saw in 1 John. So here we are, as a bondservant of Christ, we must understand that those are people who have crucified the flesh. Jesus is very clear in 1 John 5.12. He said that he who has the Son has life. He who has the Son has life. And he who does not have the Son does not have life. Let me say this to you. There is no way for you in your humanity to produce anything but one thing, and that's death. The only thing in your humanity that you can produce is death. When you live for yourself, the scripture says that the wages of sin in Romans chapter 3 or 6:23 says the wages of sin is what? Death. The only thing that we can produce when we live for ourselves is death. Now I don't know about y'all, but I, I don't want to sign up to live for death. I don't want to sign up to produce death. I don't want to sign up to, to produce something that, that is so broken and fallen and, and hurtful. He says, hey, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Let me just stop there for just a second and say this. If you're sitting here today and you say, David, I am serving, I am living for myself. I'm telling you, it will always produce death 100% of the time. of the time, it will produce hurt, pain, suffering, and ultimately death. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and what? To destroy. But Jesus said, I came to what? Give abundant life. He says, listen, if you believe in me, if you live for me, if you serve me, you will have abundant life. Now let me ask you this question. Who are you living for today? Are you living for God? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for God? Have you given your life to Christ? Or is it all about me? I passed a church one day out in the middle of 
the heartland of America. I don't know what state I was in. I was traveling. And when you're driving 14, 15 hours, you don't know where you're at. And the sign of the church said, I church. And they were trying to play off of the Apple iPhones and all these different things. And I was just like, man, church isn't about me. Church isn't about I. I must decrease. He must increase. The body of Christ is about making Jesus Christ Lord in our life and to give him all glory and praise and honor by us living our life for him. So who are you living for? Are you living for yourself or are you living for Christ? Who you live for will be evident in the fruit of your life. Let me say that again. Who you're living for will be evident by the fruit in your life. I was told as a young kid, I was told all the time, um, and, and see, we don't have checkbooks anymore. I don't, I, I don't really know what a checkbook is because we don't write checks anymore, right? But I was told as a kid that, that if you wanted to know where somebody's heart was, just open up their checkbook and look at their log, right? I was told that, hey, you can see where somebody's devotion is to by what they're spending their money or their time on. If you're following God, there's going to be fruit in your life on that. If you're following yourself, there's going to be fruit from that as well. So let's look and say, what does the life you live produce? Now, I just read to you Colossians chapter 3, and I want you to flip all the way over to verse 22. And it says this, it says, Slaves in all things obey those who are your master on earth. Not with external service as those merely pleasing men, but with the sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for man. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. The scripture here is talking about a master and a slave. When you look at the actual context of that, you begin to realize that, that what we see here is an actual workplace environment. Now, some of y'all are saying, David, I, I, master, slave. Well, some of y'all have told me you, you have, that you're slave labor. Have y'all ever heard that before? Y'all ever heard that about your job? I just feel like a slave. I just feel like I'm just, just, just working to get nowhere. Listen, in the context of this scripture, it's talking about what you do. So the first thing I want to look at is, according to the scripture is that we are either serving God or we're serving self. So if we are serving God, then we see in verse 23, we see whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord. So who are we every day, day in and day out, if we are serving God, if He is who we're living for, then who are we working for? What does it say in verse 23? Who are we working for? We're working for God. We're working for God. I've heard somebody say, David, man, my boss is terrible. Man, I just, I struggle with my boss, like, and, and, and I'm just so frustrated. And, and I said, are you serving him? Are you loving him? Well, I, he's just unlovable. Are you serving him? Are you loving him? You say, but, but, but how, how can I do that? He doesn't deserve it. Oh, don't get into what we deserve. You want to get into what we deserve? We deserve a place called hell. But praise God, Romans 5, 8 says that Christ demonstrated his love for us. That though we were sinners, though we didn't deserve it, though we wanted nothing to do with Jesus, he said, I love you. So don't get into what we deserve. See, here's the, the beautiful thing is that we don't actually work for the people that we're working for. We actually work for God. And so when we work for God, guess what happens? 
People see Christ in us and we serve them no matter what happens. Now, I'm not saying if they ask you to do something inappropriate to the Scripture or the Word of God. There's a greater authority. We'll see that in a minute. Let me give you this story. There was a, a guy who wrote, um, he wrote little like, uh, references to American Airlines to let them know how, his, how their people were doing. He was a hidden shopper, so to say. And one day he was on a plane, and man, there was a lot of intoxicated people on the plane. It was full. They hit a bunch of turbulence, a lot of uh, very, very, very uh, arrogant, prideful people on the plane. And man, they were giving these stewardess and stewards just a very difficult time. But this one girl just continued to say, hey, how can I help you? Smile on her face, wanting to be there. I mean, the, the, the plane is rocking back and forth. It's going through turbulence, and she's still trying to serve the people of the airline. They land. The guy walked up and said, listen, I want you to know. I don't usually tell the people, but I want you to know I'm a secret shopper. I'm going to write a review about what you've done and your work for American Airlines. She said, sir, let me stop you. She said, I don't work for American Airlines. I work for God. I serve God. I work for Him. Do you realize that when you realize that you work for God, as it says in verse 23, whatever you do, it doesn't say in some things, it says, whatever you do, you do for who? For Christ. When you get that mindset, guess what happens? Your workplace changes totally in your mind. You show up to work and you're excited. People can come after you and say and, and give you all these difficult things to do and, and, and be a very hard boss. And you can still say, hey, listen, I love you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be there for you. But when you begin to focus in on yourself, you seek the appraisal of man. In verse 22, it says, Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with what? External service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart. But as sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Listen, when you are focused in on yourself at your workplace every day, day in and day out, let me tell you something, you begin to be more concerned about what people think of you than what God's doing. Can I tell you that that is a uh, revolving uh, cycle that is extremely painful? Some of the most uh, powerful people in this world, and when I say powerful, we're just talking about those who are famous, that are well-known. I mean, they have the appraisal. Everywhere they go, people are like, like so excited to see these athletes or these singers. And man, like they have to have bodyguards around them because so many people want to see them. And they're so empty. They're so empty. The appraisal and the approval of man will do nothing for the heart. Nothing. It says in here, don't just be that of an eye pleaser. And let me just share with you, you know, for me, I, I've been there. There's been times in my life where I truly, as a, as a pastor, this was eight years ago, seven years ago, I shared this with you before, that I was a people pleaser and I longed for the appraisal of man. And let me tell you what that will do to a pastor. It will get him to a place where he's only sharing scripture the way that he thinks will, will give him applause. It will get him to a place where he'll not be home with his family because he feels like it's more important to make sure that people are saying, great job, you're with, great job, awesome. And next thing you know, that pastor will end up losing everything. 
because he was more focused on getting the applause of a person. And he sought it and sought it. And every time he got it, it wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough. And it wasn't enough until he had neglected everything in his life, even God himself, to get one more. That a boy. That a girl. That a way to do it. Great job. And they'll lose everything. Everything. Larry Burkett, many of y'all know him, shares this. He says, It's interesting to note that the worker whose boss praises them the most highly are usually the ones who require the least praise. It takes a lot of energy to remember to praise someone for everything he or she does right. What a joy it is when a boss finds a quiet, effective self-starter who continually looks at the interests or after the interest of other employees. Those qualities are so rare that the boss is torn between promoting that person and keeping him or her at their present job. I found a common characteristic in Christians who don't rely on the praise of others. They take literally the principles of Colossians 3, 23 and 24. The key is that they look to the Lord for their reward. And in doing so, they find that God's standard of conduct is so much higher than man's. And that they surpass their boss's expectation every time. How powerful is that? In Matthew chapter 6, we see Jesus speaking the Sermon on the Mount. And for those who went to Israel, your mind is probably going back to the Sermon on the Mount, where we were. So as you read this, think about that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 2, it says this, So when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Jesus is telling them, listen, don't go and do it for other people to see. It's not about that. It's about honoring me. Who are you living for? All these people on the street, or are you living for me? We'll read the last part of that in a second. Go to verse 5. It says, when you pray, you are to be like, not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogue and on the street corners, so that they may be what? Seen by men. And then in verse 16, it says this. It says, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by who? By man. And all three of those say this at the end. They have received their reward in full. They received their reward in full. So the first thing we see is that when we live for God, we work for Him. When we live for ourselves, we work for the appraisal of man. But the second thing I want you to see is that when we live for God, our reward is in heaven. When we live for man, our reward is now, here and now. Why is our reward now when we live for man? It says, your reward is here. It's now. Why? Because what you just received, the applause of man, great job, you were doing great fasting. That was a great prayer, David. Oh, that was awesome because all those great words you use, I'm so proud of you. That right there, that words that were just spoken is all you get. I don't know about y'all, but guess what that does? I got to go get a few more words. Let me pray again. Come on. Come on, let's pray again. Oh, that was a great prayer. Oh, we got to do that again because I need that again. It's never enough. Your reward is here. It's done. It's over. But what does the scripture say when we're walking with the Lord and we're serving him and our life is in him? It says this in verse 24. It says, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. 
Where's our reward? Matthew 6, if you continue on down in the Sermon on the Mount, it tells us where our reward is in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up your treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Look at verse 20. I love it. It says in verse 20, it says, But store up yourselves, yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what God's telling us here? Is that when you serve me, when I'm the Lord of your life, what you're doing is storing up in heaven. Listen, it's called delayed gratification in some sense. You don't see it right away. But our culture has said, no, you need instant gratification. That's the reason why credit cards are out of this world and people are spending all this money because they want it here now. They'll take care of it later. No, God's saying the opposite. He says, serve me. Don't tell anybody. Don't let them know that, hey, you're fasting and you're praying. Like, Don't go out and do it in order for them to see you until you can gain approval. Do it for me because I see your heart and you're storing up treasures that are in heaven that nothing can take it away. Nothing. I don't know how many financial advisors we have in the house, but if you could give somebody a sure bet 100% of the time, I think we would take it. And God's saying, hey, nothing can take away what you're investing into his kingdom. Nothing can take away what you're investing into his kingdom. And let me ask you this, why would we trade the treasures that are in heaven for just a man's applause? Why would we give up what God is, is, is blessing through the treasures that are in heaven simply so that somebody can just say, great job? I love what Dave Ramsey says. He says, so many people spend money on cars and all these really nice cars to impress somebody for five seconds at a red light. And the sad thing is they'll never see them again. Hey, I've been there. But here's what we have to do. We have to realize that our treasure is in heaven where moth and rust cannot take it away. Thieves cannot steal it. Are you storing up? Is your focus, as we go back to Colossians 3, it says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. Is your heart, is your mind serving the living God? Is that who you're living for, knowing that everything that you're doing is being stored up in heaven? Or you say, no, I want it here, I want it now. I want it here, I want it now. The third thing I want you to see first is life, living for God. You're working for Him, not being a man uh, 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 pleaser. Second thing is our reward is in heaven. If you're serving yourself, your reward is here and now. The third thing I want you to see, you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. According to Galatians chapter 6, 7, and 8, It says this, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You reap what you sow. Let me just tell you something. This is a law of God that you cannot escape from. You cannot escape from it. Let's just go all the way back to salvation for a second. You will reap what you sow. Those who sow into the flesh all their life and never give their life to Jesus, it says in the scriptures that you will reap eternal judgment. It's a place called hell. It wasn't made for us. 
It wasn't created for you and I. But because we've been deceived, and because we were born into sin, that's where every person's headed. Remember, I told you, don't get into to, to what you deserve or don't deserve. But praise God that he made a way through Jesus Christ that if we will accept Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, that if we'll give our life to Jesus, it says that he will save our soul and that God will see the blood of the Lamb upon us and not the sins of our life. You will reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap corruption and death. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I did it because. Like at work, you know, I, I cheated on this because my boss isn't a man of integrity anyways. But you know what's going to happen? You're going to reap from what you're sowing. It's a law of God that cannot be escaped. You cannot get away from it. You can say, hey, listen, I did this because of my, for my kids. Like I was thinking more of my kids. God's saying, no, follow the word of God. You will reap what you sow. There's so many excuses out there while we say, listen, uh, God's going to bless me because of this because he knows my heart. He knows I didn't mean it the way I did it. I heard somebody tell me one time, they said, listen, they were a boss and they said, listen, I need to motivate my, my people. And so sometimes I'll lie to them just to get them motivated. So you're telling God that you have a better way and that you won't reap what you sow? You're telling God that that you're smarter than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who tells us and gives us instructions how to live our life? And you're saying that that, that He's not going to allow you to to reap that? Go back to Galatians 6, 7. What does it say? I love this. God will not be mocked. You can say all day long that you won't have to reap what you've sown, but I promise you, every time you will. I heard somebody tell me one time, they said, David, you got to understand, once I get through this, talking about sin, I'm going to be blessed. Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to ask God for forgiveness, and everything's going to be okay. Dwight Moody gives a great example of this. He says, it's like a man who went and sowed wheat, but also sowed tares in the middle of the wheat. And when the harvest came, there was wheat and tares. And he went to his master, and he said, Master, I want to admit to you and ask, and and I want to just lay on my face and ask for forgiveness over what I have done. And his master said, thank you so much, I forgive you. But there's still tares. There's still tares. And so though I've forgiven you, you've been forgiven. There's still the consequences that you have to walk through. And so I'm going to need you to get up and go. And harvest between the wheat and the tares. People tell me all the time, once I get through this, God's going to bless me. God knows my heart. He knows I don't mean bad. He knows, man, listen, we can play games with God all day long. We can sit there and say, God, you know what I really mean. Like, like Lord, you, you got me on this. Listen, that's not who my God is. God's saying, I love you enough that I gave you the Holy Spirit that if you will walk and yield your life to Him, that you won't have to deal with those things. Is it going to be painful? 
Yeah, it's going to be hard sometimes to say no. Yes, it's going to be hard sometimes to walk the straight and narrow. Yes, because the culture is coming after us in all areas. But let me tell you something. We must stay true to what God has called us to. You'll never escape the law of reaping and sowing. You know, it's interesting to me. Who does the sowing? We do. We sow. But who's responsible for the, the reaping? We are But God's the one that allows that to come up. Listen, we must realize that we will reap what we've sown. Many of us in this room today can attest to the fact that things that we have sown in our life, we're still reaping today. Now listen, there's forgiveness. There is forgiveness at the cross. And praise God for the blood of the Lamb. And He washes our sins white as snow. But God's saying, hey, if you live for me, You're going to work for me. Your reward is going to be heaven. And you're going to reap eternal life. And you're going to reap the fruit of the Spirit. The last thing I want you to see in the Scripture is this. It says in verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, knowing that for the Lord you'll receive the reward of inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For if he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. So the last thing I want you to see is this. God has called us to live for what we're made for, not what we're paid for. Let me say that again. God has called us to live for what we're made for, not for what we're paid for. When you live for God and you're serving Him, you live for who you were called and made to be. You still get paid for your job. You still work. You still serve the Lord. But when you work for yourself, you live for what you're paid for. Let me kind of take that down a little bit and show you. Uh, Not too long ago... um, my, my wife went to a store and bought some jeans for me, and I wasn't there, so she just looked at the tag, and whatever the tag said, you know, as long as it was my size, then that was gonna, it was going to be great. So she brought it home. She's like, listen, I bought you some jeans, and uh, the tag says that it's, it's this size. Here's, you know, and it was right who, what I am and, and my size, and so I went to put them on, and I could not get them on. I was like trying to walk, and I couldn't even straighten my legs. I was like, hey, I think you're going to take these back. But you know what the problem was? Tag was wrong. And because the tag was wrong, those pants will probably never be sold and actually used for what they were created for. They're going to sit on a shelf. Because anybody who buys them thinking that they're going to fit them are going to realize that, hey, they don't fit me. And they're going to have to take them back or they're going to just sit there. But those who would actually fit those jeans will never even give it a look. Why? Because they look at the size and the label and they say, oh, well, that won't fit me. When I think about my label on the back of of me, like the tag of me, it says, made by God. Psalms 139 tells us that. I mean, we were fearfully and wonderfully made by God and for God. Your label of your life, the tag on the back of you should say, made by and for God and God alone. But you know what we do? We change the tag. And we say, self-made man. 
self-made woman. Hey, God, I'm, I got this. Who are you living for? Listen, God designed and created us special to be used as the body of Christ, hands and feet, as we talked about two weeks ago. But yet so often we'll say, oh, wait, 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 Lord. Like that's on Sunday morning and that's on Wednesday night. But during the week, it's, I live for what I'm paid for. And when you live for what you're paid for, you neglect what God has made you for and God's law and order. And so Jesus, so then we see what happens. You become so focused on the work and the money in your account that you lose your health, your family, and everything else. Have you ever seen somebody that said, man, I'm working 50, 60, 70, 80 hours a week. And in some sense, they want you to know, like, hey, like, they're, they're useful to something. But they begin to neglect everything else. But when we live for what we're made for, for God, you will truly live an abundant life no matter what you're paid for and no matter how big your bank account is. When you truly live for God, you're going to live an abundant life every day in Him, no matter what you're being paid for. That's the reason why you can find somebody who has the lowliest of the lowliest jobs all the way up to the President of the United States of America if they are a believer in Christ, walking in Him, living for Him, and doing their work unto the Lord every day. You're going to find abundant life in both sides. You're going to find joy on both sides. You're going to find contentment on both sides. You're going to find excitement every day because of what God's doing in their lives on both sides. It doesn't matter what you call yourself in your profession. And Jesus came to give us abundant life. Jesus called to, came to give us abundant life. Who are you living for every day? God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. He will not be mocked. Are you living for what God made you for? Or are you living for all the other external things of this world? You know, it says, many of y'all have probably seen, if you have kids, you've definitely seen the, the movie Beauty and the Beast. And in that movie, there's a song called Be Our Guest. And, and obviously, the, 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 the china and all the different things of the kitchen and, and the lamps and all those that have been turned into these things, these people that have been turned, they want her to stay because they, they want her to understand. They want to get out of the situation that they're in. They're stuck. And in that song, and listen, you've got to understand, the people who created Beauty and the Beast, are, are, it's not a Christian organization by no means. But they still understand it. Look at what they said. In that song, it says, Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. Let me tell you what they're saying. When you're living for anything other than what you're made for, you're miserable. You're miserable. When you live for anything other than what God has called you to. And listen, I'm not talking about your job when I say calling. All of us have the same calling. And that is to bring glory to the name of Jesus every day. That's to give our life to Him every day. That's what we're called to. And when you live that, let me tell you something. You will find unbelievable joy and peace every day knowing that you're working and serving 
the Lord. So let me ask you, who are you living for today? Who are you living for? That answer should not change based on your circumstances. That, 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 that answer should not change based on your job. That answer should not change based on who your boss is. Let me read to you the, 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 last, the first verse in, in uh, Colossians 4 because it ties in. It says, Oh, and masters, grant to your, your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Man, if God has given you the position of authority over other people on this earth, remember every day that you have authority, which is God. You are a man or woman under authority. And that we're called to honor those people just as God has done for us. So who are you living for? As I said, it doesn't change based on your job or anything else. Can I tell you, there was a time in my life where I lived for the world. I lived for myself every day. Every day I lived for myself. It was all about me. I did it in a very religious way. I did it in a very righteous way. But let me tell you something, I would have split hell wide open with that lifestyle. You can sit here and you can try to deceive God and you can say, listen, God, I got this. I'm okay. I got it, Lord. But let me just take you back to Galatians 6, verse 7. And I want to put this up on the screen. I want to read this verse to you one more time. It says, do not be deceived. Who's the deceiver? Satan is the deceiver. So if you're being deceived, you're listening to the lie of the evil one. He says, God will not be mocked. You can think that your carnal lifestyle will be okay. You can think that living without God is going to make it somewhere. You can think that all roads lead to heaven. But let me tell you something. God will not be mocked. You can say that I'm going to do what seems right in my own eyes. You can go and do anything that you feel is right. But let me tell you something. God will not be mocked. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. I want to close with this. A friend of mine had a terrible boss. But went every day and said, I work for the Lord, not for man. Served this boss. Cared for the boss. Said, listen, I love you. And at the end of the day, weeks later, one of the people that worked with this person came up to him and said, why, why are you treating him like that? He doesn't deserve it. And guess what happened in that moment? My friend said, listen, I treat him like that because God loves me and God's changed my life. I didn't deserve God's love, but yet he died for me. And in that moment, the people in the workplace began to see the gospel of Jesus Christ because of the way that my friend lived out his life serving God no matter the circumstances around him. Maybe we need to stop focusing on the waves and the situations 
And, oh, I don't like this about work, or I don't like that, or, or today was tough, and this and that. No, maybe we need to go back, and I'm not saying maybe. We need to go back to Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. Because here's what happens. Our daily life and our daily work is an act of worship to God. It's an act of worship to God because that's who we serve. But Christians, don't miss it. It's an act of worship to God. And it's a witness to this world. Your daily life, by serving God with every bit of who you are, is an act of worship to God and a witness to the world. What do people say about you? What do they say about the body of Christ? The body of Christ every day leaves here. We go out throughout this city. And the body of Christ is worshiping God with our actions and witnessing to the world every day.